You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and um, Cal Week. 7.30 kickoff down in Cal Berkeley on Saturday. And then the much-needed bye week. So I'm sure all the coaches are looking forward to that and players and trainers and getting healthy. But you know, we had a chance to talk to uh, the two coordinators on Monday as well as Coach DeBoer. And, um, you know, not really a lot new to report, I think, about the only thing that is really new out of that is asking about uh, Qual Pejopa. And um, he said he's day-to-day, but, you know, we hear, we're hearing rumors, and I don't know if we can... Exp- Actually, I don't even know if he's day-to-day, because DeBoer said he's not with us this week. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he may not be back. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he may not be back, but um, the fact that he hasn't outright been uh, just sent on his way tells me that there's a chance he could be back. So. Yeah, you know, we're not going to get into you know the rumor sections. Yeah. It's really not hard, but let's just say violation of team rules. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's what he said. Yeah, and uh, then again, uh, when we were out yesterday, Scott, we also saw Cam Williams. He was out practicing, mm-hmm. so that was interesting. But you know, getting back to you know DeBoer and uh, Ryan Grubb, they were really pleased with Michael Penix, and how could you not be? Yeah, no, I mean he had a great day. I mean, anytime you set a school record for total yards passing. It's going to be hard to get a poor grade, I would think, on that one. But, uh, yeah, he had a great day, four touchdowns, uh, no picks, and um, did really well with the ball. And, and uh, it seemed like every time they got the ball, they were going to score. Um, so it's about all you can ask for uh, if you're an offensive player. Yeah, and, um, you know, Coach DeBoer, um, you know, he um, – what's the right word I'm looking for? He reiterated that the uh, move with Jackson Kirkland inside and um, – Troy Fautanu outside has really, really paid off, and they like what they're seeing on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've asked them about it every week, and I mean, they've basically said there's no movement planned that they're going to leave him there, and they feel like Jackson's doing well, Troy is doing well. I don't think Jackson had his best game. Um, I mean, Chris and I were watching it from, and we get a different level, different view than maybe people like you do on the sidelines, although you weren't at the game, but that also the people in the lower bowl. I mean, Jackson missed so many blocks. There were so many times when he maybe pulled too far and his footwork wasn't good enough to get back or whatever. And I think some of the – but they said over and over that he's still working into shape. He's really only three weeks into this thing. How much is Matteo Mele splitting time with Corey Luciano right now? It's about half a game, wouldn't you say? No, I don't think it's even that. I'd say it's Quarter probably more like – I'd say it's probably more like two-thirds Luciano, okay. third Mele. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, in the in the higher leverage moments, he's always been. I think they always try to get him at least a series or two in the second quarter if they can. And then based off that, now, if I remember correctly, I think he actually came out in the third quarter, mm-hmm. started the first drive there. But then after that, I, I'm not, I don't remember if he was there yeah. the rest of the game. Um, you know, I would say with, in regards to Kirkland that it's just a situation where he's still working his way back. 
So there's that. There's there's getting familiar with the left guard position. There's all of those things working together mm-hmm. to try to to try to get it into a situation where it's working well. And then we also had a chance to talk to Coach Grubb as well as Coach DeBoer about the issues that they've had lately, uh, red zone as well as third and short and uh, fourth and short. But, you know, Chris, when they got Wayne Talapapa, you know, you were the first one to mention it, that he was going to be that goal line guy that he just kind of had a knack for getting to the goal line. Um, not seeing so much of that. He's done it a couple of times, but I thought he would be better down near the goal line than he has shown. Well, I think there's that, and you know, he came into it with the reputation. You watch his film when he was at Virginia. That's what he did. That was kind of his mo. And um, tough runner between the tackles. I think he's still that guy. Uh, but I think what I think what's more to the point is that they found something in Cameron Davis that they really like, and and he's not only doing a good job there, he's executing. He's getting in the end zone. And ultimately, that's what matters. If you're productive, I don't think they care how, how you get there, as long as you get there. And he's doing a really good job. He's got nine touchdowns so far through seven games. Um, you know, we wrote up a story about whether or not he's kind of the next Richard Newton. And, <coughs> excuse me, guys don't need to, to look at that and go, well, he's not Richard Newton. I'm not saying he's Richard Newton. I'm saying you look at the way Richard Newton broke onto the scene a couple years back. He was that touchdown guy. They had Savon Ahmed be the every down guy, just like Wayne Talapop has kind of been become the every down guy here. But when it comes to cleaning up the drives, when it comes to hitting the end zone, things like that, that seems to be where Cameron Davis is really excelling, just like Richard Newton did a few years back. Yeah, uh, they definitely got to get some cleanup done, and I think they'll have an opportunity to do that uh, down at Cal. By the way, did. Uh, you, I don't know if you're aware of this, but down at Cal, they're um, honoring Char- Marshawn Lynch and putting him into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Good. No, it's fantastic. Guess he deserves it. Guess how they're bringing him in. No, sure. On the cart. Yeah. Why not? He should be driving the cart. Hopefully, he's yeah, that. I mean, if they really want to be true to true to the uh, true to the moment, that's what he's. That's what he did. Yeah, boy. I'm not sure the insurance company is going to like that. Marshawn get tends to be a little out of control when he's on that, but he, well, I, I think he's mellowed maybe slightly in his old age. Yeah. When it comes to driving things like that. <laughs> so instead of having his hair on fire while he's doing it, he'll only have three quarters of it on fire. Yeah, well, that's... That's Marshawn. That's Marshawn. Yeah. Um, we talked also to Coach Inge just about, um, you know, the difficulties in the secondary. It's been rough back there, you know, and hopefully it doesn't sound like they're maybe going to get a couple of guys back this week, Chris. Well, I don't know about that. Um, it doesn't sound like Michelle Powell's going to be around. Um, it, it does sound like, you know, Asa Turner's continuing to progress, and he played a bunch, but he's going to probably – they'll probably lean on him even heavier. Same with Alex Cook. Um, Elijah Jackson, who knows what the status is going to be on him. Perryman, they're going to start leaning on him. Julius Irvin's kind of the big X factor. I'm kind of wondering what's going on with him. Um, not I sure, did but see J- him out there. He was coming off of practice. But today. for people that looked at the depth chart this week, they did put Javion Green, the true freshman, in as the, the mm-hmm. starting corner. So if that is the case, I think that will be now eight different lineups in uh-huh. eight weeks. So um, get used to another lineup because that seems like that's where they're heading this week. Scott, were you a little surprised to see um, Jeremiah Martin out at a tight end on the short yardage instead of just put I didn't put see him. In, that was the thing. I didn't well, see we, it. Well, we saw him. Yeah. Like, he was going to come out, and then yeah. and then they called timeout. Yeah. And then he didn't. And then at some point he did they came back out. in, and I didn't notice that he had come back in. So I didn't actually see him line up. I saw him come in. And then didn't they start to line up, and then they called timeout or something like that? I, I think so. Yeah, I can't fully remember. Whatever it was, but 
um, I was like, maybe the wrong number three ran in. You know, maybe it was supposed to be Taj Davis. I don't think you're going to confuse Taj Davis. I know, I know, Jeremiah I know. But but the thing is, I never actually saw him out there. But it sounds like that's going to be a regular thing that they're going to use him in some in certain short yardage and well, packages. You know, yeah. fan, fans have been clamoring for it. You know, you have you have issues on fourth down, and we're not talking about just even goal line or red zone situation. We're talking about out between the twenties. They've had mm-hmm. issues. Um, you know, they seem to be wanting to go more sideline to sideline. On those little uh, those little fly motions and, and those little sweeps and things like that, instead of just attacking and going after a defense, so maybe they're going to use him and, and be more of a be more of a power guy. You know, they do they do put Penix behind center sometimes, so it's not like he could sneak it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the, they have those options available to them. Yeah, I, I guess I was just a little surprised that you know putting Jeremiah Martin out there as opposed to another tackle. Um, or if you're not going to go with one of your tackles, like even well, like, they did put Nate Kalepo out yeah. there. Yeah, they they've had, done that. They, they have and, done that, and they, um, and they've been very Grub has been yeah. very and and DeBoer both. They've been very adamant that they're trying to get both Melee and Kalepo playing time during the game at some point, doing something. Yeah. And and part of that right now has been because Jackson Kirkland's not physically 100 percent there yet. Go, yeah. So that's been that's been kind of the rationale. But once he really starts getting going. They're going to have to figure out other ways to get Nate in the game, and I and I think they're going to try to do that because if you notice, Kalepo actually played some right guard yep. last week too. Yep. Well, the question I would have for Jeremiah Martin, and I don't know if anybody's asked him this, is he been working with the Jugs machine? Um, so he, they, we asked him if he um, had asked. Well, so they asked Ryan Grubb if he had asked to catch a pass. And Ryan Grubb says no, and that's how you get passes thrown to you is you stay in your lane. And you let us decide that, who gets the ball. Um, Jeremiah said, I'll just do whatever they want me to do. Nobody actually asked him if he had caught some passes or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, what's more remarkable, to be honest with you, now that we know in hindsight that his fiance they had their second child on Thursday. And he comes out and gets two sacks on Saturday, one for each child, as it turns mm-hmm. out. He was also being asked to run an offensive play. On top of all the things that were already on his plate, because the the as Scott would know, the the first child's still pretty young. He's got enough on his plate just with one kid, let alone the birth He's of the got second a kid this week. Got a two-year-old. And yet, you know, you talk to the coaches and everything else. He he's just coming out, and every week he's just coming to work. He's practicing. He's you know, um, he's just doing his business, and it's kind of incredible. He's really treating it like a like a pro, and he's been here. He's been in the college game an awful long time. Yeah, and. It's hard for me to, you know, um, make any um, harsh judgments on the offense because they, the offense has played well enough to win all of the games. But when you take a look at this defense, we had a chance to talk to Coach Inge on Monday. He really didn't say a whole lot, but it, I mean, is there anything that can be done with this defense? I mean, they're just so short on bodies and experience right now. Well, I talked to Coach Morrell on Wednesday, and, and he basically said, you know, I, I asked him, I said, are these guys the, the technique you taught in spring and in fall? Are the guys using the right technique? Is it is it anything that they're not doing right, or what what is the deal? And and then I also asked him about um, and I'm sorry to skip ahead, but I asked him a little bit about the scheme and how these guys were recruited to play in a completely different scheme. Most of these guys, ninety percent of the guys that are playing are are guys who are recruited to play in Jimmy Lake's defense rather than this one and it was a two deep defense and it was 
completely different. They played a lot more zone and everything like that. And, and Coach Morrell said, no, he goes, we can slide guys in and, and they can play different things and, and stuff. And he goes, our guys all know what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to go. We got guys with great football IQ. He said the biggest issue that we have had has been continuity which is due to the health and, and playing so many young guys, which is due to the health. And so he says, we're, we're really hoping that this bye week we can get healthier and throw some guys out there who have had that continuity that because they, they practice together and they just haven't played that much together. So. It's still tough when you have to have a guy like Javon Jay, Jay, Green out there who's a pure mm-hmm. freshman who was in high school a year ago. Uh, wasn't a really highly touted guy, mm-hmm. and then the, you, uh, Devon Banks. Did he play much on on Saturday? Uh, a little bit here and there. Um, um, no, he, he was. was actually, I know he was dressed. He was bur- he was burned on one play. I do remember that. Um, oh. And but um, you know the thing about Javon Banks is, I mean, he didn't play, he didn't really play as a junior, and then I think he only played like one or two games as a senior. So, yeah, you know, because COVID. So, you know, these guys just don't have a ton of experience, a ton of playing time. Well, short on numbers, short on experience. Yeah. Um, this is what you can expect. And then in addition, you know, the game of college football has changed. You're not going to win games by stopping your opponent right now. You're going to mm-hmm. win games by well, outscoring your opponent. I don't think you have to hold opponents under 20 points or anything like that. I mean, it'd be great if you could. But I think it's more getting key stops when you need to get a key stop. And right. Washington hasn't been doing that. Well, I was going to say, I think, Kim, you even asked Coach Inge the question on Monday about, you know, kind of the the evolution of the game and how there's always been that, that constant pull and pull between whether the offenses are having the, the, the edge over the defenses or now are at the defense is starting to catch up. You know, where, where are we at right now in the evolution? And right now there, there's very much an offensive swing and, that's what he just he just reiterated exactly what you said, Scott. It says, you know, you, you've got a guy, you've got to go out and get and, and get guys that make plays, mm-hmm. and not only do that, but they can also get key stops. And so, if you can, you know, like for instance, when DeBoer talked about, it, he goes, you look at that middle eight that they always talk about now, that the last four minutes of the second quarter, first four minutes of the third quarter, they score touchdowns going mm-hmm. into half and coming out of half. That's absolutely huge. That's 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 how you win football games, and and those are the key moments that they have right now that kind of separates them in a in a ten point game like they had on Saturday. Yeah, it's just when you take a look at this team, it just looks like they're going to score every time they have the ball. It does. It totally does. And and I mean that's why that's one of the reasons why I picked them to beat UCLA because UCLA's defense had been very porous. And I thought they'd beat them down there. I thought they'd do the same thing against Arizona State. The only thing I didn't see was that the defense wasn't going to be able to stop the other team's offense. So, um, you know, more than anything, I think that Washington, um, you know, I think a lot of people are a little afraid of the Husky offense. But, the, you know, I was talking with somebody, and he said, he said to me, he was like, Washington's offense needs to get out to, like, a two-score lead. And that's why – all those home games, those first four home games, they were able to put the pressure on the other offense to score all the time because it looked so easy for Washington's offense. And when that, when you do that, then that makes that other team maybe a little more one-dimensional. So maybe you can pin your ears back a little bit and start getting after the quarterback a little more than you were able to against UCLA and, U, and ASU where 
they they were able to continue to run the ball on you, so you didn't you couldn't just pin your ears back and get after it. Yeah, I was going to say conversely. I mean, it's like they've scored in every first drive of the game this season. The only difference between the away games is that they couldn't they, mm-hmm. they, they couldn't jump out to that lead that you were talking about. They yeah. got they got a touchdown, but then these guys came right back and, and scored. And the UCLA on. game, and the re, the momentum turned right on that fumble by right. by Talapapa at the three yard line or whatever. And because yeah. if Washington goes down, and even if they just get a field goal. Yeah. Out of that, you're up ten points now, yeah. and and that that maybe changes the whole complexion of that game. Or and really, it was the interception at ASU that yeah. bounces a fluke bounce off of, of uh, Jackson's helmet. And if that doesn't happen, I think Washington wins that game. So um, you know, just Washington is is in a good spot. I think they can go. I think they can be every team still less on the schedule. I think Oregon and Wazoo are going to be tough on the road. Oregon State is not going to be easy at home, but I think Washington can go out and beat every team that they're playing the rest of the way. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also, uh, on uh, Tuesday, I had a chance to talk to Zion, uh, ZTF. Um, do you think he's having a little bit of a disappointing year? Absolutely. I think he's disappointed in what he's done. Um, I, I don't know what his sack total is. What is it, two or three, maybe two and a half, whatever yeah, it is. Three, three and a half. Yeah, like whatever it is. And um, I, I think it's because he hasn't been on the field that much. And why isn't he on the field? Because he's not getting it done in practice. And Jeremiah Martin is a better run stopper. Braylon Trice is a better pass rusher, and that that's just who the coaches have decided to go with. Yeah, it just seems like he's turned into one one trick pony. Well, he it looks like he's improved as a run defender, but he's still not adequate at it. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he's very good at it. Yeah, and where you, Coach DeBoer was constantly saying the strength of this team was going to be coming off the edge. You know, Braylon Trice has had a nice year. Jeremiah Martin's had a nice year. I think that. Um, uh, ZTF has been a little underwhelming, and Savelle Small still trying to figure some stuff out. Still trying to figure some stuff out. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things that we have to take into consideration is that Zion's kind of remade his body when mm-hmm. he got hurt. You know, he was playing upwards of two seventy five, two eighty. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Now he's listed at two forty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, say what you want about it, but if you're not that stout in the run game, that can be a mitigating factor. Yeah. Because you look at guys like Trice and Martin, those guys are the guys that are going upwards of 265, 270, and they're and they're holding their edges. So that can be a certain that can be an issue. But the bottom line is there's still room in that group to be the proverbial one trick pony if you, if that's what if that's what Eric Schmidt thinks he is. And I don't have any reason to think that he does feel that way about him. And I certainly know for a fact because in talking to Schmidt about ZTF this year, 
He says there's absolutely nothing wrong with his attitude. He comes to work every day. He's working hard. He, he's, he knows he's a part of a great group. He wants to contribute. He's chomping at the bit. He's breathing down our necks every, you know, every time we're on the sideline to get him in the game. So he wants it. It's just if, if he needs to, I guess he just needs to come to grips with whatever he's doing that he's really, really good at in terms of contributing to the whole, then he needs to just absolutely commit to it 100%. And I know these guys want him to be the most well-rounded guy he can be. But at the end of the day, if he's really just a full-on pass rusher, I think everyone just needs to embrace it and go with it. Because he's really good. When he's, when he's on it, we've seen it. He, he is good, as good as anybody in the country. You had a chance to talk to Jeremiah Martin as well. Uh, can you tell us? I thought you talked to Jeremiah. No, I wasn't here on Tuesday. I did. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I thought it was you. What did he have to say about just, uh, you know, uh, his performance as well as playing tight end? Um, I, I think just he, he, he just has basically said, he did say to Zion and to Braylon Trice, I'm not as good a pass rusher as you. So my stuff is all going to be about um, getting sacks when just by effort, you know, sheer effort. And he says my goal is to get to the quarterback before they do because he goes, I know they're, they're going to get a sack. So, um, you know, and he just talked about defending the run and, and, and doing different things. And, and I, think, I think a lot of it just comes down to he, he's learned the technique that they want him to, to play with, and he's feeling much more comfortable, and he understands things a little bit more. Last year was his first time in a different defense, and, and, so, and this one is a different defense for him too, but they're using him in different ways, and he really is enjoying himself. And as far as playing tight end, he's, he said, I'll do whatever they tell me to do. If, if, I, if, if I can help the team win, I don't care what I do. I'll do it. I had a chance to talk to Troy uh, Fatanu, and he's having fun playing next to Jack, Jackson Kirkland. That left side of the line is, uh, seems to be the strength over there. And mm-hmm. those two tag teaming guys, they had a conversation about you know, just those two. Yep. Just you know, Troy sets them up, and Jackson cleans them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I mean... I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's just, they, 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 they're, you know, Jackson is cleaning up a lot of guys that Troy passes off to him. You got it. Uh, who else did you talk to on Tuesday? On Tuesday, I spoke with Jack Westover, uh, posted a story about him on uh, Wednesday morning, and, and he just talked about his comfort level with Mike Penix and, and how he's, um, you know, how he started developing that ba- basically when Mike arrived in his first throwing session. And then um, who's the other one I spoke with? I did uh, Martin and him, and I don't remember who the other one was, but I talked to somebody else. Yeah, today um, on Wednesday we had a chance to talk. Oh, Fa- Tui Tui Taylor. I'm sorry, yeah. that's who I talked to. And he just he talked about getting the chance to rush from the outside, that they moved him out to more of a five technique where he's lined up straight up, head up over the tackle, I think is where it is. And To be honest with you, I think it's a great move for him because I think he can affect – the edges in a way that Trice and, and Martin can as well, mm-hmm. and if and if you know they're looking for those situations because we've seen those situations, yeah. Scott, where when when other teams are in third and long situations, you're you're going to see ZTF out there, you're going to see Trice out there, you're going to see Martin out there, you're going to see Void Tanufi out there, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of their pass rush line, quote unquote. But if if they're you know with Tuli and and Fatui Totele in, in the front. That's kind of what their go-to is right now, and I can see them trying to shade him a little bit more and more because if if um, guys are trying to get out a little bit more on the edge and trying to attack a little bit more on that edge, 
because if they see a perceived weakness or whatever with the edge players and not holding that end, that's where he can really help them, I think. Also had a chance to talk to Jamarcus Shepard, and he's just, he's always a good interview. But, you know, and I asked, um, you know, Coach, um, Coach Grubb about just, I've never seen a team where they've been able to get the wide receivers as open as I've seen this year. It just seems like there's so many plays where there's nobody around these wide receivers and, you know, asking Coach Shepard how they get open, you know, and he just says, you know, a lot of it's just knowing where to go, knowing the scheme and stuff. And I said, it just seems like if I go out there and knew the play or Jackson Kirkland went out there and knew the play, they could get open too. And he started laughing and and said, you know, that's what they talk about, you know, because he says he can get – Jamarcus tells guys, I could get your mother open. So mm-hmm. I asked him which mother would be most likely to get wide open. And he said, Rome would done say small. <laughs> Is he a track person? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, uh, you know, just taking a look, and Chris, you, you guys see it upstairs. It just seems like guys are just always so wide open. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's all relative. To, sure. Everything works together. Part of, the, part of it is there's very much a timing element to it. So when they're running slants or they're running outs and they're running to the sideline, there's steps involved, they're trying to throw on time. All those things are key, obviously. But I would say another element to it is that it's been a long time since I've seen a Washington quarterback get this much time to throw the ball. Michael Penix isn't getting touched. And, and he, he may get affected one or, one or two times a game, which is crazy. Because if we look at it, the personnel has not really changed at all from last year to this year. Yes, there's a couple of different guys playing different positions, but by and large, the personnel hasn't changed. And yet, these guys are performing at a level, especially in the pass game, that is absolute light years. If you were a fan, how would you even know that these are the same guys that were the offensive line in 2021 where they couldn't, they couldn't move anything? They couldn't pass. They couldn't pass a kidney stone, and now all of a sudden they're creating situations where the quarterback can throw for a school record. I mean, has anybody seen a turnaround quite like this? I haven't. And the other thing to think about too is we're talking about the same line coach. This is Scott Huff. Scott Huff obviously did not become a bad coach overnight the last year or two, just like he didn't all of a sudden become a genius this year. It's all about fit. And it's all about scheme. And they've been able to, to work toward fit and scheme. And I give a lot of credit to Ryan Grubb because his specialty grow, grow, coming through the coaching ranks was offensive line. And so with him kind of overseeing things and Huff kind of doing this new thing, it's obviously turned into a, a really, really, really good situation for everybody involved in the offense. And that's obviously, if you're a Washington fan, that's exciting to see. Scott, did you talk to Trent Marks? No, I did not. Lee Marks. Lee Marks. Lee Marks. Nope. Okay. Um, and anything else uh, from Wednesday that stands out to you, Chris? No, just, uh, you know, I just, talking to Schmidt was interesting because it was like, uh, you know, talking more about Jeremiah Martin and just how much was on his plate last week. And then all of a sudden they ask him to play, you know, play on offense. I mean, this is just a guy that's, that's being asked to do it all and as a captain and all these things, and he's just taken it in stride. And I do really wonder, and I know he's talked about it, what would, what, how would his life be different if he had committed to Washington and signed with Washington out of high school instead of going to Texas A&M? Well, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't have two kids probably. 
Because <laughs> he well, met his fiance down at Texas A&M, I'm pretty well, sure. Yeah, but then again, it's not like not like he wouldn't have met someone up here. I, I would probably put money I on that. I understand, but it wouldn't be the same kids. Wouldn't well, be the same that's, that's, that's true. Anything to jump out at you with the coaches' conversations that you had on Wednesday? Uh, I just, all I did was talk to uh, Morrell, and, and I think the big thing for me was just trying to find out, you know, where he sees his guys at. And he, he basically said the – the um, the health and the depth and the is getting better and they they're excited to see what this team looks like when they're fully back to health. Also talked to Nick Sheridan about Devin Cole and specifically about the the onside kick and how key that was in that moment and just how it really does reinforce the coaching not just by Eric Schmidt but the by guys like Devin Cole taking that in being reminded of it and then using his technique and his natural ability to make that play in an important moment. Because now all of a sudden, like we were talking about that middle eight, that gave him a short field, and what, they score two plays later? I mean, that's, that's a huge momentum swing. And not only, yeah. does it, not only does it compound the desperation that Arizona at least you know, was putting out there on the outside, because I don't know if they were really feeling desperate or not, but they probably felt like this was the opportunity to try to, try to steal a series if they could. And clearly Washington, because of their preparation, were on it. Um, and Devin Colt made a hell of a play. And I kind of asked uh, Sheridan whether or not that really gives a guy like Devin uh, uh, some more momentum and some more confidence to really uh, elevate his game when he's on the field at tight end. He goes, absolutely. He goes, but, you know, we've always known that about Devin. I mean, he takes a lot of pride in special teams, and that pride in special teams spills over to the offensive side, and now he just needs to continue to gain confidence so that he can catch balls consistently. Because he is, in, in, at times, guys, he's kind of like the Jermaine Curse. He, he, he makes the ridiculously hard mm-hmm. play look really easy, and then he makes the play that comes right at him look incredibly hard. And so he needs to turn that around, but once he does, and I don't think, I don't think those guys uh, believe he can't do it. I think they have every confidence he can do it. Um, I think we're going to see big things from Devin Cole. Uh, Scott, short recruiting update. Uh, coaches are heading out on the road on Friday night. They're going to be down in the Bay Area, obviously, to play Cal. And they're going to be out at a couple games. Uh, I think there's going to be two or three coaches out that will be out watching games. I think it's two defensive and one offensive. I'm still trying to figure out who they're going to see. So. There's some Bay, Area, are, are there some Bay Area kids that are already committed. Yep. I would assume they're going out to see them Probably. as well. Probably. Very like per- Rasheed Williams yeah. and... Who's at uh, Fasolo? Is he? You see from the yep. Bay area? M- Menlo Atherton. Yeah. So, so there's a couple guys I think yeah. they'd go out and see. Final thoughts, Scott? You know the um, coach Morrell and the coaches that I've talked to have all said that they were excited about the way the players have come out and ready to work. And they said, uh, Coach Morrell said uh, Wednesday's practice was the best practice they have had this year. So does that? You know, you hear t- coaches talking hyperbole a lot. Who knows? But, oh, yeah. but um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take him at his word that it was really good practice, and, and they're encouraged about what – you know, and Kim, I heard somebody – or maybe somebody was asking uh, the question about, you know, going on the road again and, and what it's going to be like. Well, they are playing on turf, and I know, Kim, you disagree with me on this, but I, I think Washington will play much faster on, at, on the turf at, in Berkeley than they have on the grass the last two places. So – um, I think that's definitely going to help them. Chris Fetters? Yeah, just I just I didn't ask any questions about Cal honestly because I think 
at this stage of the season, it's all about them at this point and them just trying to find a way to break through. Um, you know, they understand that they've got to get off to a hot start. They've gotten off to hot starts at UCLA and Arizona State, but they need to continue to put the pedal to the metal, and that was the, the main difference. And that's the, the one thing, if you look at Cal statistics and things like that, they've re- they really have done a good job forcing turnovers. And so if Washington can eliminate the turnovers and just play a field position game, I think we've already seen with their offense, they're going to score on a, you know, on a vast number of drives. They may end up punting the ball a couple, a couple more times because they're on the road and they might be affected by this, that, or the other thing. But the bottom line is this is all about them at this point. They just need to get over the hump and get that win because they have everything going for them right now. They've got some momentum back with a, with a win over Arizona. They're going up against a Cal team that's a little battered, a little bruised. Their egos are hurting a little bit because they lost at Colorado, which you're not supposed to be doing this year. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they react. But when you look at their offense, you look at their defense, things like that, these, these, this, these are teams, offense, defense, what have you, these are teams that can be beat. And they need to go ahead and take care of those, those things and get that, that key road win. Because what's the biggest thing right now? If they get the road win on Saturday, what's the biggest thing? They get bowl eligible. And that's huge for a team that went 4-8 and eight last year, looked like they were in the mud offensively, now everything's completely changed around. Now if you can add that incentive, now you've got a bowl game to look forward to for the rest of the season. That only adds to the momentum and the confidence and the positive feelings. 7.30 kickoff down at Cal. Do you know what channel it's on? It's on ESPN. On ESPN, 7.30 kickoff. So uh, be ready for that. And then uh, next week is a bye week, but we'll have a lot of stuff still going on the bye week. Wednesday. Um, yeah, we haven't asked what the schedule is for media next week. I don't. Yeah, next Wednesday, basketball media day down in San Francisco. I'll be down there covering it. It sounds like Jamal Bay and Keon Brooks will be the two Washington guys going down. So we'll get a lot of good information from Hopkins and uh, a couple of the players. So. Uh, it's, uh, it, well, I know. I, I, I got some weird stuff going on. Should we tell weird. people what's going on with you right well, now? I, I stepped on a, in a bee's nest doing some yard work yesterday. I got like 15 bee bites, you know, so bee stings, so I'm a little out of it. And, and on top of it, today. Oh, my uh, phone just quit working. Yeah, it just stopped working, so who knows? I would say that was karma for not being here last weekend, but that would be cruel. Yeah, so anyways. For all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.